the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. This is an issue. This is a durable issue, um, and it's a delight to welcome back one of my favorite people in the whole state and country, occasional guest host. Uh, delightful to always have him as a guest, and that is Dr. Zudi Jasser. He is the uh, founder and director of the Jasser Center for Comprehensive Care, jasserim.com. He wears several hats. He's also the founder and president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, we might get into some of that, but I wanted him for health issues mostly today. Zudi, thanks for joining us as always. Oh, it's always great to be with you, Seth. Thank you. Thank you. You really were such a voice of sanity and sobriety during uh, the, the, the early times and the early parts of COVID. And we talked about there going to be a lot of down. There was going to be a lot of downwash from some of the, uh, shall we say, mitigation strategies, whether it was the closing of the gyms or the closing of the schools, particularly uh, problematic for our youth, um, particularly problematic when it came to staying fit, which was a, an indicator of how poorly you might or might not do if you did obtain abstract COVID. And a lot of us, at least on, in, from where I was sitting, love to get where you, where you saw it. A lot of us were kind of shocked yesterday when we saw CBS News put out a, a headline Children struggling with obesity should be evaluated and treated early and aggressively, including with medications for kids as young as 12 and surgery for those as young as 13, according to new guidelines from the uh, American Association of uh, Pediatrics. I think that's the right group, the AAP. Yeah, American Academy of Pediatrics. Zudi, that was kind of a shocker and a wake-up to us. Um, attendant to that was the issue that that obesity is not a behavioral uh, a behavioral is not caused behaviorally, and what, what walk me what your through your first thoughts when you read a headline like uh, on something like that. Maybe maybe I have this wrong. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, you know, I, there's a lot to unpack there, and uh, I think your reflex is probably the uh, the right answer, okay, which is, good. you know, listen as an as an adolescent doctor and an adult physician. It's one thing to be aggressive with medications and treating adults that have been working when I see them sometimes decades trying to lose weight and, you know, you still go through the normal processes, but a child that uh, uh, might still be going through, you know, puberty or, mm -hmm. or other things to Certainly start exposing them to medications without actual treatment is, is absurd, without just normal diet exercise. I mean, we know that the problem with, yes, obesity is a disease. It took us forever to get the... Uh, uh, codes and, and acknowledgement from the medical community that obesity was a disease. And sure enough, we know it's associated with hypertension, with diabetes, with heart disease. So it, it goes without saying that it is a disease and needs to be treated early. There's no doubt that prevention is important. And as you and I talked about through COVID, you know, they're, they're, uh, when people are sedentary, it's not really necessarily about the athletics. It's simply when you're not moving around, walking, 
you know, in communities where cars are used less, people are thinner. There's no doubt. And and if you're sitting at home doing Zoom calls and Zoom classes, these kids are going to gain weight and 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 uh, be over and be obese. But we need to be honest with them. We can't lie with them to them and say, oh, we don't we don't want to uh, offend my child and tell them they have a disease, but yet I want them to be on this injectable once a week medication because the study that the pediatricians did, funded by probably Big Pharma. <laughs> Uh, uh, showed that it helps. Yes, it does help. Yes, there are kids that probably would be suited for meds because they've been obese since the age of four and they've failed every diet and now are 10 and 11 looking at possible early you know, childhood diabetes. I get that. But the vast majority of the obese population in our youth should be addressed with activities, exercise, eating right, uh, getting the chips and all the the nonsense foods out of the you know out of the cupboards and uh, with behavioral issues, not with uh, medications and and you know one study in a journal does not make a, a wholesale change in the way we treat our patients. Yeah, it almost makes me want to even put in a good word for Michelle Obama, not something I would normally do. You may recall she had a Let's Move initiative, which was, you know, attendant to her task force on child obesity. I was just going to that website uh, for nostalgia and interest on this issue. And it's all about uh, it's all about nutrition and exercise. Back when when the Obamas were running the White House, not that that's um, not that that's necessarily medically uh, state of the art, but it seems like we can't even talk that way anymore. I don't know in your practice or your 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 angle of medicine, but the way I'm reading it is that there are even there are even curbs on what you can say to children about using the words, lest we end up in something called. I hate the phrase, but you know it, fat shaming. I know the, you know, and and you can't help but think of sort of what are the cultural shifts happening by the the wokists, which is on the one hand, they, they claim to want to protect children from victimization. On the other hand, they're creating a culture in which they will be lied to as as by their parents, by the, the communities, and uh, they'll be told that they're surgical fixes, just like uh, uh, kids maybe struggling with uh, gender identity. Yeah, All of right. a sudden, oh, we can fix this right. surgically and, we have a knife. and change your yeah. entire genetic right. uh, uh, sex identification right. because we don't want to really acknowledge that maybe there's something else going on. And, uh, you know, there's always some type of uh, very invasive fix to defer the harder work, which is more paternal or maternal, and uh, um, invade the, the rights of parents. Uh, and and prevent the actual better medical fixes. Uh, I can't tell you the number of patients I have that are getting ready for bariatric surgery, which is stomach reduction. And in that process, they do the diet that they're going to do after surgery. And I would bet you probably 10, 20% of them end up not needing the surgery because they do the post-op surgery and, and they lose a lot of weight. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to do things short of the invasive sort of, you know, they, we think we're protecting our kids by lying to them about the reality of their condition. And there's nothing that builds more character than a child who's 10 acknowledging that they have obesity. And I have to tell you, the other part of the fat shaming thing that really bothers me is I can tell you as a conservative, my problem, the problem, the diagnosis is a society that, that, that is actually in some ways misogynistic in the way it looks upon women's bodies and other things. And, and that thus becomes a more glorification of thinness, if you will, Uh versus 
uh, um, actual reality that, uh, you know, do we actually respect people's choices, et cetera. So on the one hand, Hollywood exploits women for creating uh, a lot of eating disorders. And then on the other hand, now they're saying that we're the bad people right. because we fat shame. So right. you're the primary cancer. So change that and, and don't try to make, you know, being obese a great thing. How about not making thinness into something that's the only tolerable image? Yeah, of you don't have to look being. like Twiggy, but I don't want you looking like Lizzo. Is that such a bad thing to say? <laughs> not exactly. It's, that's the normal thing to say. We, 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 we should teach our kids about health and, and studying and academia and, and, and their professional goals and in their athleticism and in their body and, and what they put into it and, and how they treat it. So uh, we shouldn't be rushing to medications. We shouldn't be rushing to quick fixes. But none of that is coming out in the general culture. Most no. of the culture is about quick fixes and uh, letting the, the, the young, uh, vulnerable individuals somehow determine uh, what offends them as being the starting point versus what is best for them. By the way, this issue of shaming, and, and, and I'm not interested in carrying a brief for the idea of shame, but I will say it does strike me a little odd. Maybe we can save this comp part of the conversation for a little bit later in our, in our discussion here. But it does seem me, to me a little odd that there are certain addictions. I don't know if people have a sugar craving or if it's an addiction or if they have an obesity thing, if there's addictions that are involved there. But when it comes to things like, oh, I don't know, cigarette smoking or vaping, for that matter, of nicotine or perhaps drunk driving, no one's saying, saying don't shame those people for those unhealthy choices, by the way. I, I, you know, there, there, there might be a better word than shame. Um, and, you know, but we do have a moral squint for certain things at the favored times and moments if they are favored seems to me that's, that's so perceptive and then the question is what what determines the way that needle goes yeah, um, yeah. on the one hand you know now they're trying to racialize obesity i saw that the, too. the white right. the white folks are the right. ones that are healthy and at right. the gym so therefore we, we can't be racist i don't even know where they get that data from yeah um it's just they weren't listening to michelle obama when she was first lady i guess i know i guess <laughs> let me take a quick commercial break this is yeah. this is a wide-ranging issue and i'm glad to have you uh your brain and your voice on this dr zudi jasser is our guest he is uh, a fantastic uh, physician and clinician. He is the director of the Jasser Center for Comprehensive Care. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Dr. Zudi Jasser is our guest, a physician uh, nationally, internationally known, uh, fortunately based here in Phoenix, head of the Jasser Center for Comprehensive Care, uh, talking a little bit about this um, new study and all these new articles out on children uh, struggling with obesity and the recommendations um, that uh, children as young and, uh, as 12 and 13 uh, should be uh, subjected to um, uh, medicine and uh, surgery. Doctor, the, as you know, one of my main concerns in all my, uh, my non-professional I guess professional work is the teen and adolescent brain. Some of the medicines that I guess are used here, and I know nothing about these things, and I may not even say them right, but things like Orlistat, semaglutide, uh, and metformins uh, that they want to recommend for giving children who are struggling with uh, obesity. Do we have any concerns or worries about changing the mechanics of a child, uh, either their their brains, their wiring, whatever the technical or lay term is here, 
You know, I, I, I'm old-fashioned in the sense that I think a child as best as possible, when meds are needed, they're, me- they're needed. I get it. But as best as possible, why can't the, the child kind of fl- flower and nourish and, and, and build and wire along a normal course with a fairly active or healthy lifestyle? Do these things interrupt any of that? Does it, does it worry you at all that they might interrupt some of that? Yeah, it does. I, I mean, we just went through all the debate about vaccines right. that haven't been around a long time, et cetera. Right. And now what they're doing is they're retrofitting a a application of medications to kids. We didn't study the. We don't, you know, obviously for for good reason. Yeah, we yeah. don't do yeah. massive studies on children. Uh, all these drugs were studied in adults. Right. So you you know they are related to treating. N- not necessarily obesity, which is what they do end up treating. They're treating metabolic syndrome, which is an inappropriate utilization and poor utilization of fats and sugars in patients that are on their way to developing diabetes, which ends up being elevating their insulin. They eat more, et cetera. So if you can give them medications that improve the metabolism of sugars, their insulin levels go down and they eat less. It's it's not that much rocket science. It's great medications. I mean, Ozempic, which is semaglutide, I've, I've written... Uh, I think it's a great drug for for patients that it's right for. But for children that haven't been studied, unless they might have certain things like early polycystic ovarian disease, certain things that might need, you know, things like metformin, uh, that's that's a whole different uh, phenomena. But uh, you know, these have not been studies in kids, studied in kids, and and I would not want my children taking these things if there are other very natural ways to get them moving, as you said to get them active and, and lose weight. I was uh, playing around. I don't often look to Europe for guidance, but I did notice that um, over at the National Health Service website for the United Kingdom, nhs.uk, for anyone who wants to doubt me on this, if you go to obesity, uh, they have the causes listed very clearly. Uh, and it's in black letter. Obesity is generally caused by eating too much and moving too little. I mean, my gosh, Zudi, have we have, has society advanced beyond knowing that? Um, there, there probably are genetic components, uh, right, and maybe even ethnically uh, based in some cases. I mean, you know, there are some diseases that do affect uh, different ethnicities a little more, like I suppose uh, breast cancer in Ashkenazi women, for example. Maybe if I'm not speaking rot, you tell me if I ever am here. Um, but it just seems to me that that we're taking everything that's commonsensical and we once used to know into a brave new world of medicine and surgery. It just, that's what it seems like to me. Yeah, and and I I don't think that it's there's so many benefits to uh, um, exercise and uh, um, you know activity that uh, yeah it has the ancillary curbing of that, doesn't it? You don't need to. We can yeah, give you a pill for exactly. that. Exactly. Right. You can yeah. just sit on the couch yeah. and take your semaglutide and it'll suppress your right. appetite. Right. And you don't need to, you know, kids really need to, you know, uh, we want them off the gaming and into the, you know, on the bicycles and, and into the uh, soccer, football fields, whatever it might be, because uh, that's sort of what they're building. They're in their growth phase. And uh, we don't know the downsides of, of a significantly – and like you said, Europe is more active than we are. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the the cultural impact is going to – you know, downstream of cultures, not only politics but health. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, um, these are th- – this is the reality, and it, it just is, is saddening to me to see a study that came out that really should have been couched in a, in a publicity way that yeah. said as a last resort – 
for for obese kids that have been unable to lose weight uh, as a last while resort. We still recommend, yes. Yeah, right. as a last resort. Right. But no, now it's oh, this is the this is the magic pill that you don't you don't need to worry about your kid gaining weight playing Minecraft for uh-huh. twelve hours a day. Go ahead and let him do some semiglutide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the go-to. Is medicine changing rapidly at a political rate? Well, I should say politically at a rapid rate that 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 is unprecedented in your, in your experience. I, the stuff I'm reading tells me it is. It may have always been thus, but it does seem to me politics is way ahead of the science and medicine on a lot of things. In California, there's a bill that won't even let doctors, lest they put their license at risk, say certain or diagnose certain kinds of uh, certain kinds of regimens with regard to COVID, et cetera. Jordan Peterson's going through it in Canada with some, uh, with a slightly different angle. But is medicine becoming much more politicized than it ever used to be? Yes, and that uh, it's also following the money. Ah. I think that the politics is followed by lobbies, and the yeah. lobbies that are funding their, the um, changing of culture are the big pharmas, the hospitals, the insurance companies that are, are the banks of today in healthcare, and the rest of us uh, are barely surviving as inflation is is going up and the government uh, we have to beg and plead in the last month to get two percent increase which we get in a in a system where our payroll and everything is going up by 12 10 to 15 percent so having said that you know most of us small practice docs were putting money into education with with communities and other things and now sadly americans aren't seeing uh, small you know nonprofits and other foundations that many of us used to be parts of um, that we just don't have the excess uh, funds to do, while Big Pharma and others now have that more so than ever in spades, and you're seeing more commercials, more uh, yeah. other things for yeah. direct-to-consumer yep. advertisements. So they, they're shaping culture, whether it's politically through their lobby or I through their I knew it was finance. a mistake. I knew it was once they started putting prescription TVs on ads in 96 or so, I knew it was a mistake. I just knew it. I just It was a bad idea. Why do I need to have an ad? Why do I need to, I, me without a medical degree, need to see an ad for a medicine? Shouldn't that between be between you and the pharmaceutical company and you and the patient? Why do I need to see ads for these things? Oh, I mean, I, I I couldn't agree more from a ethical perspective. From a liberty, you know, liberty perspective, I'm not sure how I would restrict that other than through education and also through you know ratings, where yeah. people just would not be watching those sure. commercials and make sure. it not worth their while. Sure. Uh, unfortunately, they claim that the cost of pharmaceuticals is all in R and D. I would say that uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if they spent less on uh, advertising, <laughs> yeah. maybe. There'd be a little leftover for the R. Yeah, Yeah. I see it. Let me take another quick commercial break because I want to come back, if I can, and talk to you just a little bit about the raising of the white flag and the surrendering to a lot of these problems with, I mean, institutions that we used to trust. I mean, when I see an ad, let's just say, from the New York uh, City Health Department or the San Francisco Health Department, that tells people um, don't use fentanyl. That doesn't tell people not to use fentanyl. It tells them to start slowly and do it with friends. I just wonder what the word health means or public health means anymore. If we could talk about that when we come back. Sure. Thank you, Zudi. Sure. Zudi Jasser is our guest, and I'm Seth Liebson, and he and I will be right back. Dr. Zudi Jasser is our guest, J-A-S-S-E-R, Zudi Jasser, M.D. He is the founder and director 
of the Jasser Center for Comprehensive Care. If you recognize him in other uh, from other areas, he is also the president and founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, which is where we originally met uh, something like 20-odd years ago. Uh, Dr. Jasser, um, I was talking to you about this whole notion of public health because societies need doctors. They need to trust their doctors. The doctors typically rate as one of the most trusted uh, professions or institutions in any civilization or any civilized society. I worry about some of these uh, public health uh, public health departments, though, which clearly are staffed by physicians. I'm just up in arms about two major cities with major drug problems, New York City and San Francisco. Uh, they are now putting up ads uh, on fentanyl or opioid use that uh, with the imprimatur, with the stamp, actually, the stamp of the city health department saying use with people, start slowly take turns. This isn't exactly what we say about cigarettes, or for that matter, drinking and driving, is it? I, oh my God, I can't tell you how disgusting that those ads are. I don't, I don't even know where to start to unpack that. It's, it's uh, um, a... It's encouragement. It's, it's not, it's it's not beyond, prevention. It's yeah. encouragement. Start slowly. Well, it's, that's how you become an addict, isn't it? It's, be, it's, 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 it's beyond surrendering. I mean, we even treated cigarettes with much more disdain than yeah, that and, yeah. and those are dr- those are drugs that one time use can make make a adolescent uh, lifetime addicted and end up uh, in death within a year yeah. uh, so these are not uh, recre you know simply as they would call recreational uh, they are uh, agents of death and uh, to say that sort of share and and uh, all of that. Uh, I mean, I friends, understand yeah. the needle, yeah. uh, the needle issue with HIV and things. I mean, that's a, that's a different thing. Uh, but uh, to to not have a instructive. I mean, the, what happened to the pictures of the grotesque disease and the lungs of of smokers? Remember those dark lungs? Remember the craggy faces narcotic? of the old women? Yeah, right, right, right. You can't help but be. You can't help but think that it has to do with the fact that government wants folks that are dependent on them and is creating a class of, of individuals that uh, really, will, they think, and just like the border and other things, they will allow folks to flow in and just become completely dependent uh, because of their dependency on drugs or whatever else it might be. You know, you said something interesting in our previous segment. I want to work out with you a little bit um, about, uh, I think it was in the context of uh, pharmaceutical advertising, you know, the public health position versus you know, libertarian instincts, which I think we all share to one degree or another. But when you think about obesity, for example, like so won't someone say Jasser leaps and get off it. It's between the doctor and the patient or for that matter, fentanyl use or opioid use. The truth is uh, you and I and everyone in the earshot will be paying for it. I mean, obesity and diabetes, let's just say diabetes, is probably the largest single cost of things like Medicare and Medicaid. We all have a stake in this. We all should have a voice in this, it seems to me. Um, If libertarianism stands for anything, it stands for less government and less taxes. Uh, All of that's going to be going up and up and up if we start raising the white flag on these issues and see more and more of it, don't you think? Yeah, and, you know, that's the quagmire is, you know, if you look back at the old Kantian rights, uh, you know, there's welfare rights and then there's inalienable rights yep. that are yep. free speech and expression and yep. all this that you can demand at any moment. Welfare rights you can't demand because they end up uh, uh, reducing the rights of others that have to pay for it or whatever bad decisions you make. Uh, 
so that's why at the end of the day, you know, socialized medicine doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. because it ends up um, taking away the rights of others. We think we 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 have a right to health care, but it takes away the rights of others. So, you know, I think from a cultural educational perspective, you and I have a mandate to educate our friends, our, our community, our listeners right. about about what we feel personally, the way we were raised and what we've learned in our life so that they don't make the same mistakes we did so yeah. that we can impart upon them what we believe. That's part of a social ethos of, of ethics that we impart on one another. But that's one thing to, to recommend that versus creating a governmental system that bounds them yeah. uh, into that system and, and, and forces or coerces them. So, yeah, I think, you know, do I believe people should wear seat belts, wear helmets and all these? Yeah. And, and if they don't, uh, do, do we end up paying more? Yeah, that's why we need, uh, uh, you know, to have more Education of them to have yeah. skin in the game. Yeah. They need to have skin in the game. If yeah. they make bad choices, they need to pay more than those of us that make better choices, for example. Uh, I want to be cognizant of your respectful of your schedule. Do you got to run or do you have time for one more? I'll take it either way. We can do. You can yeah, do one can more. Do one maybe more. maybe, maybe yeah. say a word about some of your work with AIFD when we come back. Iran has was in the news. It's not anymore. Love to get your thoughts on how those protests are going over there. I don't think they stopped. It's just the news media seems to have moved on. Zudi Jasser and I will do a little international relations when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I have the uh, delight and honor and privilege of calling him a friend, a guest host, and a guest, Dr. Zudi Jasser. We were talking about some public health issues um, on his day job, his night job, uh, or the other part of his day job is running the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, AIFdemocracy.org, AIFdemocracy.org. Uh, Zudi, I, you know, I'm always worried about the thing we're not reading about. I'm always worried about the story that's not in the news. Um, I had Brandon Weikert on the other day talking about, you know, the suitcase and dirty bombs uh, possibly um, coming out of Yemen uh, and uh, the fact that Al Qaeda, Hezbollah, ISIS, none of these organi- places have really gone to sleep. We've given them Afghanistan all over again from once the biggest of shocks came. Uh, Iran was in the news for about a month um, when it came to women's rights. God bless them. Um, I don't think anything was solved over there. How stands our public education campaign when it comes to the battle against radicalism? Yeah, you know, I think as far as Iran's concerned, the the uh, uh, slow-moving uh, revolution is still gaining steam. Uh, the the women and and men now are in the streets of uh, uh, city after city. Uh, while the numbers may go up and down a bit, uh, uh, they're now starting to kill uh, adolescents. They're, the 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 uh, Iranian government is uh, torturing, you know, hundreds every week. Uh, so uh, you know they're uh, they're in extremis. Uh, the government is back on its heels more than it's ever been since 1979, and uh, you know, unfortunately. Uh, without us paying attention to it, it may go away because that's how they get momentum is through support through women's movements uh, across the free world. Uh, but I will tell you, you know, you look at American attention, you know, I have a piece coming out this week and I can come back and talk to you about it uh, another time sure. this week if you want Anytime, or next yeah. week. But Always. it's about what happened at Hamline University. Where oh, yeah. Say a word on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So and our professor showed 
just some paintings of the Prophet Muhammad, which are part of Islamic history, and and uh, a Muslim student, uh, obviously a uh, operative of the Muslim Student Association and the Muslim Brotherhood uh, declared offense, and that was back in October, and now uh, she was recently fired uh, because she simply, and she also had a trigger warning at the beginning, and et cetera, <laughs> um, and this isn't just one university. Yeah. We had the same thing happen with a, with a professor at Scottsdale Community College last that year show. that yep. we reported on. Right. There's story after story of people getting canceled because the, the one of the largest religions on the planet is protected and afforded respect that the left, by the way, the wokists who are doing this, don't give to any other religion, uh, but simply use Islam as an identity politic for their purposes. And I think it's sort of a wake-up call, because while women are, are being massacred in the streets of Iran and, and uh, folks are being tortured in Saudi Arabia for liking a Christian Facebook page and, and uh, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood is decimating Egypt and elsewhere, um, it seems like these same folks uh, are, are getting their blasphemy laws in, in American universities. So that tells you that when the wokists are working with the far left, when the wokists are working with the Islamists, you have a entity that shares the, as you and I have talked about, whether it's the woke Islamist axis or the red green axis, they want to, death, they, they hate America. They're trying to destroy it. And uh, they will do it uh, until uh, their, their, socialism and communism, their cultural Marxism succeeds. You know, you use the word respect, a respect for a religion that is not afforded to others, and I almost wonder if it might even be the opposite, in a sense, a soft bigotry towards Islam. Yeah. And I thought about this mostly around, I think it was around 2006 with those Danish cartoons. I get it, they were insulting, of course, um, or at least, uh, if not insulting, uh, parodies. Um, and there wasn't a newspaper in America that would run article, uh, run a picture of what it was we were talking about with the idea that it would lead to violence. And I almost wonder if that's actually really a soft bigotry more than a respect. Uh, this Muslim community or whatever can't handle a picture in a newspaper lest, lest, we, lest we all be killed. That's, that seems almost a concession to bigotry in a way. I mean, I don't think it was intended that way. They thought they were being respectful. But it seems to me it's a disrespect for a community to say you can't handle a picture that everyone else can handle. Am, am I off on that? No, no. It's, and, and I think you almost gave them a pass there. It, it is it is flat-out bigotry Okay. because they, they want a one-size-fits-all Islam. And, well, if it's one that's misogynistic right, and, and right, uh, right. Uh, whatever it is. Right, we're conceding so to the worst so elements. That's, right. That's a, that's a yeah. paternal uh, – that's beyond paternalism. That's a patronizing um, imposition of sort of – well, let them, you know, they're just Arabs or whatever they right, are. Right, right, right. matter. Let them have their We expect violence. Religion. Yeah. We, yeah. We respect them because of their identities, yeah. not because of their, it's their ethnicity and their right. origin, not their ideas. Right. And that's why they use terms, by the way, like Islamophobia. Right. Because they don't want to talk about anti-Muslim bigotry. They'd rather talk about giving the, the idea of Islam rights, even though we know that ideas don't have rights, mm. but the... The the radical governments call it Islamophobia because they want they know that the left will will use that to suppress any criticism of Islam. Yeah, and 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 that is the real that is the real worry here. You had said it a few moments ago. There's there's a weird axis here and a weird intersectionality that the neo Marxism that's the that's the that's the red part of the red green axis axis that 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 is kind of providing a shield of criticism that 
prevents a conversation, prevents education, prevents learning, prevents even innocent depictions of a vast and rich cultural heritage. I mean, there is Persian artwork that is beautiful. My dad used to collect these Persian miniatures. I don't know if you remember these um, beautiful uh, paintings with uh, uh, using horsehair brushes on on ivory. Um, you you just you just couldn't show those in an art in a, in an art gallery today in many places in America. And Seth, it seems to me. Seth, they're they're inside the Supreme Court. Okay. As a gesture of okay. goodwill, there's yeah. a sculpture of the Prophet Muhammad on the wall under oh, the press room. There you go. Okay. There's, there's a sculpture on the wall of the Prophet. Nobody's been offended by that because it recognizes leaders in history no. of that have impacted global legal systems. Yeah. And I don't I don't see any Muslim uh, radicals <laughs> trying to get that removed yeah. Yeah. because they look upon it as the Wall Street Journal called it in 2015 a gesture of goodwill. That's what it and, is. And uh, it's just they pick and choose. They use things to uh, basically destroy your institutions. I heard today somebody filed uh, a means to uh, get their accreditation of that university oh withdrawn, uh, which would be fantastic, uh, I think, because uh, they, they because didn't of what stand they up did. for the yeah. academic yeah. freedom exactly. of their professor. Exactly. So, uh, All right, you and I will sign yeah. on as amicus uh, for that. Exactly. <laughs> I'll have what you're having. Dr. Jasser, one of our great visits, uh, thank you for doing this. You you circled the, the globe of issues with us like no one else, and I appreciate you dearly. Thank you so much, sir. Anytime. You betcha. Thanks, Seth. You bet. I'm Seth. We'll come back with a final thought. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends and sponsors at Y-Refi. If you were interested in investing in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market, Y-Refi is who you want to check out. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like, no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. No loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10 and a quarter percent. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y. REFY.com or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. That's 888-YREFI-34. That was a great tour with Zudi Jasser uh, on everything from uh, political correctness in uh, medicine and public health to um, political correctness in uh, national security and international relations. Uh, it It is not overstating it. Um, to say that this kind of political correctness, where the politics is ahead of the learning, where the politics is ahead of the knowledge, where the politics is ahead of the science, um, or, as we've learned, sadly, to uh, so much detriment, where the politics wants to silence the science. Let me try that again. Where the politics wants to silence the science or silence the debate over the science and the scientific method, it will lead to more death. Political correctness can indeed prove deadly. It can prove deadly in international relations and national security, and it's going to prove deadly in the uh, public health arena as well, whether it's about not talking about the causes of obesity. I, I just wonder how much longer the National Health Service of England, of the United Kingdom, is going to be able to have this website up. Again, nhs.uk. So if you run into a physician, oh, no, 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 no. Obesity is not behavioral at all. Um, Ask them if the National Health Service has it wrong. 
first sentence on their obesity tab. Obesity is generally caused by eating too much and moving too little. If you're talking to someone about curbing uh, opioid use in this country, um, ask them if they agree with the New York Health Department and the San Francisco Health Department that to stop the ravages of opioid abuse, fentanyl particularly, it's a good idea to actually start slowly and take turns with friends. If they agree with you, that those, excuse me, if they agree with those messages, if they agree with those public health campaigns, quote unquote public health campaigns, you know you're in the presence of someone who is thinking as well as speaking rot. The whole purpose of education, John Alexander Smith once said, is to know when a man is speaking rot. There's a lot of rot out there, a lot. We'll do our best to uncover it and cleanse it. Boy, we need to cleanse, the, cleanse these og, these Augean stables. I am Seth Leibson. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Until tomorrow, God bless you all and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.